first I was trying to beat my grandmother, and then I was trying to beat my grandfather, and then my mother, and finally my father. That was <laughs> like a big, big, big dream. Welcome! My name is Bruno Nazario and this is the podcast Oriented for Life, powered by Aguiar da Beira County in Portugal and brought to you by oportugal.pt. For this first episode, we will interview Olaf Lundanes, world number one and seven times world champion, the Norwegian athlete now representing Paimon Hasti in Finland has been in Aguiarda Beira for several times, both on training camps and also for some competitions. Hi Olaf, uh, first uh, let me thank you for uh, accepting uh, the invitation for this podcast interview. Uh, you grew up in uh, Alessund within a orienteering family, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, my parents were doing orienteering uh, and also my uh, smaller sister and brothers have also started. Um, Olesund is not in the heart of the Norwegian orienteering exactly and uh, the sport were actually quite new there when I started so uh, it was uh, an, a very interesting experience uh, when I was a young kid there. And uh, do you remember what age did you start to do orienteering? Well, I started when I could walk uh, to walk these children courses, and yeah. But I think the first uh, more real competition was when I was uh, seven. And what are the best memories that you have from uh, those young ages? Yeah, uh, it was to compete uh, against um, the different people, and there were not others. There were a few just at my age, so I had like old ladies I was competing against mm. and uh, first I was trying to beat my grandmother and then I was trying to beat my grandfather and then my mother and finally my father. That was <laughs> like a big, big, big dream. Uh, so uh, when I think back on it now, it feels uh, strange how important it was to beat these people, even if it was just a very, very small race. Um, Yeah, good. Then uh, when when did it get serious for you, or when did it uh, when did you start imagining yourself becoming a seven times world champion and world number one? I maybe I never dreamed about that. Uh, uh, actually, um, I think as many others did. When I was ten years old, I was dreaming about becoming football player. Uh, And I remember that Alan Scherer was my big hero. And when I realized that football was not nothing for me, uh, maybe the dream was more about cross-country skiing. Um, because that's a bit the problem with orienteering, since we are not so well-known in the media. Uh, as a young kid, you don't think it's possible to become world champion in orienteering because you haven't heard anything about it. So I think it was uh, when maybe I was 14 uh, that I understand that, okay, you can become uh, not, a, uh, not a professional 
and uh, yeah, I, I become professional, but it was not necessary. Of course, mm-hmm. you can win. You can actually win something very important in orienteering as well. Um, so, so it was maybe done around that time. And, uh, was you you are one of the only there are not so many Norwegians to won uh, several medals at uh, of the Lopet. Uh, no. And you won it in uh, men 14 and men 15, I think, the two years in a yeah. row. Was that your first uh, big moment where you realize, okay, I'm really good at orienteering? Yeah, maybe actually it was the year before when I got the bronze. Mm. Uh, because when I was 10, 11, I was not very good. And I found these terrains in the southern of Norway really, really difficult. And then I made some improvements during the 13, and when suddenly I was number three uh, in the unofficial national champs in, when I was 14, then I realized, oh, I can actually be be very good. And maybe it was that was a bigger surprise than that I won the year after, because then I have improved more. And uh, your first orienteering club was uh, Emblem EL. I yeah. think your sister uh, still runs uh, for them, or now in NTNW. Oh, she has changed from NTNW this year. Yeah. And uh, yeah. but uh, during your uh, junior years, you representing you represented the uh, Ostmarka Oko, <laughs> a club from oh. Oslo, mm-hmm. quite far from yeah. your uh, hometown. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, we um, we had some friends there in that club um, and since Amlam was a very small club yeah, we found out that it could be a good idea to join that club so I could get some help with going to the events uh, because that's quite difficult when you're alone uh, in the club um, so yeah, uh, so I got some help from that family that we know in that club uh, uh, and that was very good and We became really good junior club at that year, at that at, at, in those years, uh, and it was also important experience to run Diomila Nikola for the yeah, first yeah, time. Yeah. And uh, but did you move to Oslo or did you keep uh, living in uh, Alusund? I kept living in Alusund for two and a half year until I finished uh, my school, mm. and then I moved to Oslo uh, to start. So, uh, still as a junior, your uh, first junior world championship was in uh, 2005 in uh, Tenero, Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And you left there with two gold medals. You were, I think, uh, 17? Was it? Uh, I was 18. In the class 18, but I was just yeah, 17. Yeah, but you, you, you are birthday in uh, November, so yeah. I think still 17. Yeah. Uh, was it a big surprise for you? Yeah, it it really was. Uh, I was quite close to qualify the year before, uh, but I didn't uh, do it. And those guys that were running JWOC, they were like, when they came back, they were like telling that the other the runners from the other nation they were so good and it was uh, it was impossible and to be top 20 that was really really good uh, achievement that they have done um 
so I didn't expect that at all. Uh, of course, it was good terrain for me with uh, yeah, quite hilly, um, uh, so that was good. Uh, but yeah, I'm still surprised uh, um, <laughs> how I managed to do that with because I hadn't done that much orienteering technical training or. Um, it's still a bit surprised for me. <laughs> but uh, then, uh, two years after, in mm. Australia, in the Junior World Championship in 2007, it was your last year as a junior. You were the mm. man to beat. So you were the big favorite at that championship. How mm. hard for uh, a young guy from Norway was it to handle all the pressure and perform at the right time you left there with a medal in all the disciplines two gold medals mm. in the individual races in the first individual races and then mm. medal in the relay and medal in the sprint how did you handle the pressure oh it's that's a <laughs> difficult question but the year in between in 2006 I didn't. I I did quite well, but I didn't win at the Junior World Championship. Uh, I struggled a little bit with the training um, during the winter time and made some mistakes. So I felt like in 2007 I was a bit more back on the yeah, uh, back and attacking. Uh, so that was maybe one part of the reason. And yeah. Uh, I, I I did uh, really good trainings in those years, and uh, yeah, I I don't know if I felt it was really big pressure. Uh, I really just wanted to do as well as as I could, uh, and yeah, I know the level was good, of course, but uh, so I think I, I think it was the goal to take medals every every day. Um, so I'm happy that I reached that goal. And at the time, I was uh, moving from uh, the youth classes as a national team coach to the junior classes. So we were uh, following what the athletes were training all over the world. And I remember at the time that everybody was commenting that you were still a junior, but you were training really, really, really hard. Do you remember oh. in the 2007 how many... Hours did you train on that uh, season? Uh, I remember it was 645. Yeah. And that was quite much of it was running. Um, but we, yeah. we had a really good group in the junior team that at that time that was really training a lot. Um, of course... <laughs> when you're juniors, uh, you do many mistakes uh, in the training, but we were really, really pushing um, the limits of what we could manage uh, to handle. Uh, and yeah, uh, I was, for example, with Magne Dali, that has also become well. And of course, somebody didn't uh, yeah, didn't improve, and they focus on study and things like that and are not in the national team but I think yeah, we, we had a really good training environment uh, at that time and on that same year you went to Ukraine for mm. your first World Orienteering Championship this was in 2007 so 11 years ago 
I was there as a coach, and I remember you run a sprint, you qualified mm. to the final, and then you ended up 36. That is oh. by far your worst uh, walk result. Coming from yeah. uh, the junior class, where you won two gold medals and uh, medals in all the disciplines, and then uh, getting to walk and having these results, how was it mentally for you? Because like you said uh, just before, you trained 640 hours that year and you mm. ended up 36 at walk. Was it uh, mentally hard for you to cope with it? Yes. Uh, in some way it was, uh, and in some way I think it was a big inspiration. Um, I was, um, I, I got some chances to run some World Cups also before the walk, actually all the rounds, uh, World Cup rounds before that. Um, and yeah, I saw that it's, it's quite, I'm quite far behind. Uh, but um, for example, at the middle distance in um, at Adoringen in the World Cup there, I was, I think, I think I was 25 and I was, I felt that the time difference were not, not that big uh, so that gave some mm -hmm. of course a lot of uh, motivation uh, at the world championship I was I was hap very happy that I qualified for the final um, and uh, in the final it didn't work out so well I remember I took some really bad route choices through some uh, needles and uh, bushes um, But yeah, um, I felt yeah I felt it was really inspiring. But of course, you feel that you are really really far behind. Uh, and it, I I also felt sometimes this is impossible. Uh, but yeah, I think it's important to look look a little bit back and see how much you have improved. For example, the last three years. Um, um, Yeah, since you were seven, from 17 to 20. Mm -hmm. And it's still possible to improve almost the same level until you are 20. The next three years, you are 23. But just for this small conversation, there, there was a lot of things going on in your mind. And uh, yeah. the question here is, there are a lot of juniors that... Uh, are going watch you have passed they, they finish the junior class and they go into mm -hmm. the elite level and el junior class is two years the elite level is 15 20 years class mm -hmm. so there's a lot of guys with a lot of experience and uh, yeah. what is the best advice for the juniors that are starting their elite career what what would you tell them in first place to focus Uh, I think there is two, two, two main advice maybe. The one is that you should try to evaluate yourself how you are and try to see the small improvements. Uh, maybe if you are still, if you are five minutes behind on the middle distance, it's an improvement to be four and a half next time maybe uh, or in a longer perspective. Um, so you need to see these small steps all the time, uh, and then um, 
and the other thing is to not to uh, to select some races that you want to do really well in and not try to do well all the time of course when you are on a start line you do as good as you can but you need to train a lot so you cannot be in top shape for every single weekend during the whole season um, i think many yeah when you are a junior it's very specific you focus on um, the selection race maybe and then uh, jaywalk but when you are a senior you suddenly want to run good in so many weekends during the year that it mm-hmm. became some kind of mess um, yeah. uh, and uh, one last thing oh, that's also for the juniors that this new modern world with all the uh, technology gives so much input on what you should train with Strava and Twitter and everybody is training so much and mm-hmm. so good at posting everything that I do and so I think it's important to focus on yourself and their own your own training and uh, not get not inspired yeah. by everybody else good ideas because <laughs> you need just one one good idea mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, Three years after uh, Jaywalk uh, in 2007 and Walk in 2007, it was Walk in uh, home ground in the Trondheim 2010. Mm. I think at the time you were 22, going on to 23, and uh, you won the long distance gold medal, very young for a long distance champions. It was a huge victory for you, I think. Do you remember the feeling after that race? Yeah, uh, that that day I remember really, really well. Uh, it was it was a very, very good feeling. Um, and yeah, again, I was a little bit surprised myself uh, that it was possible. Uh, but I, I got very many good confirmations. During yeah, we had the national championship autumn before. I did a really good race, um, uh, and uh, yeah, also our selection race. I won quite clear, uh, so I know that it was possible. But uh, I didn't believe in everybody that was talking about that I could win. My mo- goal was to take a medal, and that was. I, I think I would be happy with that, but yeah, it was a very good race. And uh, was that your most valuable gold medal, or uh, the gold medal in the long distance in Walk 2012 in Lausanne? Uh, it's a it's a difficult question. Um, I think, of course, in Trondheim I had the big advantage that it was this kind of terrain that I knew I've run in since I was a little child. Um, that is a, that is a big advantage. Um, but yeah, it will for sure always be the biggest emotion. Uh, but I think maybe the achievement uh, and the performance, for example, in in Switzerland or in Estonia, was bigger. Um, I think that that's uh, required more more of me than the victory. Yeah, because in Lausanne, it was pure continental terrain. Mm. much more favorable for the Swiss runners. And uh, mm. still, you won 14 legs on the course. It was impressive. Clear, clear lead. Oh. Mm. 
Uh, I think it was. Yeah, there were many reasons behind that victory, of course, but maybe the main reason was that I had a real. It was the best training season I have ever had. Uh, I remember I had no uh, sickness or injuries from middle of January until the World Champs. Um, and um, of course, I changed my training a bit to be better in this kind of um, running terrain. Uh, but uh, instead, many said, okay, you need to do 8.15 or 8.30 on 3,000 to have the chance to win. But that, in my opinion, that was not, not right because we are not going to run that fast. Even if we are, when we are getting out to the roads uh, that we will run a lot on, of course, in this kind of terrain, we will go maybe 3.20 or 3.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I'm going to I'm going to run 3.20 or 3.30 for one and a half hour. I don't need to be able to run 2.45 for one kilometer. That not. Mm-hmm. So I'm training really specific to achieve that thing. Um, mm-hmm. And the last thing I, was that um, uh, everybody says continental terrain is so easy. But I was really... I really tried to use all the technical training I have done the last year to also run perfect and uh, perfect navigation in between the green areas so I didn't get stuck in it because that's uh, uh, I think you can gain some time a few places if you are really careful with the map reading also in that kind of terrain exactly and yeah uh, and uh, I think many underestimated that how important the technique is also in this, this kind of terrain. Yeah, even in the sprint, I may say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, in 2009, you moved to Halden to represent Halden Ski Club. Was uh, this move important in all these achievements as a elite runner? Yeah, absolutely. Um, after, in 2008, many from Östmarka was moving away to study other places and the group fell a little bit apart. Uh, so I decided Halden was a good choice and I really, I'm really sure it was because I could train with those that were better than me, like Emil Wingstedt and Anders Norberg and uh, many others. So I could see that I was closing the gap to them not every week but I was getting closer and closer um, and uh, I could also learn a lot of things from them so that was a, a very good choice and uh, you moved uh, to Paimen Rasti to Finland was it purely because uh, walk in um, in Estonia and uh, walk in Latvia or did you were you in need of some uh, change in your training environment yeah that was that was the main reason i wanted some change uh, since i have been in halton for 8 years uh, and of course you start know the terrains really well and uh, yeah um, so uh, since i had a very good season in 6 2016 I thought okay no it's a good time to change so uh, I don't um, do any big mistakes for not last year uh, yeah. uh, so 
And I also felt with the World Championship coming up in Norway in 2019, it was a bit now or never if I want to mm-hmm. go somewhere. Because uh, you will move back to Holden next season. Yeah, we will move uh, back to Norway in, after the World Championship this year. And you have been a professional orienteer for uh, many years. And uh, for sure, it involves a lot of traveling, a lot of uh, training camps, a lot of competitions. Uh, what is the biggest difference between your planning, your season planning for 2018 and for 2010, for example? Um, there is a, <laughs> There is a lot of lot of differences um, of course when you are in the beginning of the 20 you can do almost all the training you want uh, without getting injured but now I have to take a little bit more care uh, especially because my calves are not as fresh as I was um, so I think I do even more careful planning uh, so that I In, um, so that I manage to do all the important trainings and still stay healthy. Um, so for 10 years, uh, eight, 10 years ago, I was maybe running 12 or 13 trainings per week, but now it's maybe nine or 10. Uh, so I do some alternative trainings instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have also, I am also doing more strength training for the for the legs uh, compared to. Some years ago, uh, but the rest is yeah, it's not so big differences, I think. And uh, speaking about uh, training camps, uh, this podcast is uh, sponsored by Aguiar da Beira. You have been there for uh, training camps and uh, competitions uh, several times. For a top athlete like you, Olaf, What do the terrains around Aguiar da Beira has to offer for the preparation of your uh, races? I think it's really, really good. Uh, since the terrain is, they are really technical difficult. Uh, so even on the trainings in low speed, you get a real challenge. Um, since, since it's a lot of details and also some very dense area, you need to be Uh, careful with your orienteering the whole way um, and it's also nice and runnable in between this area so you can get some really high speed uh, so I think it's a very good terrain to prepare for a season in. and I can also say that they have a excellent uh, sport facility so if you want to go there and have some aqua jogging <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. it's uh, it's possible and they have a really nice gym so it's available for all the orienteering athletes that come to visit us in uh, Gerda Beira so you yeah. again you are invited and we'll get a spot for you to have your alternative training that's for sure yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's an important part so we are near the end of this uh, interview now in uh, a more personal note Uh, mm. We know that uh, you and Ida are going to have a child. How excited yeah. are you about this uh, step in your life? Yeah, I am very excited. I'm looking very much forward to it. I think it will be uh, very, very great for us. 
Um, of course, uh, it's also a little bit scary because it's a big responsibility. And yeah, sometimes you are thinking, how am I managed to do this and the training? But I think it will work out very well. And uh, have you imagined how can this uh, influence your athlete's career? How will you balance uh, now that you are going to be a father, your athlete versus your father career? Yeah, of course it will be something different. Um, but yeah, luckily we will get good help, uh, helps from the grandparents. And we also have very many uncles and aunts that will help us do some babysitting. Uh, but I think yeah, uh, it will give me a lot of positive energy. Um, so I think I think it will. I think I will be even better. <laughs> And uh, I've read uh, one uh, interview you gave that uh, you said that you have the dream of winning uh, middle, long and relay at the same World Orienteering Championship. Are you going for this in uh, Latvia this year? Yes, I am trying. Uh, it has been actually since I won in Trondheim that has been the goal to try to win both the long and the middle in the same year uh, and it is uh, it is a really big challenge um, so yeah, I will aim for that uh, this year and next year and uh, as long as I will compete I think <laughs> and uh, what about the future you are uh, really well known as a only forest athlete mm. will you handle having a forest walk only every two years? Yeah, of course it will be something different. Um, but yeah, um, there is a European Championship also in 2020. And there is, uh, maybe it will give some opportunity to focus more on other important races, like, uh, for example, uh, Uringen. Uh, and, yeah. So I think... That will be like the European Championship and Uringa will be like my main goals in 2020. And uh, aren't you tempted to try the sprint? Yeah, I am in some way. Uh, but yeah, um, it's also yeah, the level has improved quite a lot since I was good in it. And it. If I am uh, go going to have a chance, I need to make some quite big changes in my training, and I I don't know if I want to do that um, when I'm uh, when I am 33 years old. Uh, it's yeah. it, maybe I will focus on 2021 instead. And you are in the middle of your typical training week. How did you plan today's training? You have been training already. Yeah, uh, today was uh, an easy orienteering session for 90 minutes. And, and then in the afternoon it's just uh, running uh, from home. Yeah. So again, Olaf, uh, thank you for uh, this uh, interview. It was uh, fantastic to learn uh, more about your career, your future and uh, your uh, way of thinking. It's uh, quite important for all the orienteering world to know this. Thank you. 
and uh, good luck for the rest of your season. Thank you. Thank you for hearing this interview with Olaf Lundanes. Our next episode will be released in August, just before the start of the World Orienteering Championships. Until then, follow us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram and stay tuned for more news. See you!